Well, I was, uh, was going to come up here this morning and, and uh, start with a really good joke. I mean, I, I, I found this joke this week. It was probably the funniest joke I've ever heard, but just right before the service, my brother's over there making fun of my joke, so I'm not going to share it this morning. Yep. <laughs> All right, and there's, there's the rest of my family over there clapping that I'm not going to share the joke, so thank you. Um, at the beginning, I really don't have a joke, so sorry. At the beginning of summer, uh, I was able to come up here and, and introduce our series through the book of James, and we talked a lot about um, uh, spiritual, spiritual maturity, and today I'm actually getting to close our series uh, through this book. Uh, we learned that, that before discipline, we need a complete change of uh, perspective. Um, Donald Whitney, an, an author, said, discipline without direction is drudgery, isn't that so true when, when we're pursuing something? If we don't really have a, a goal or a reason why we're pursuing a goal, it's hard just to be disciplined, just to say that we're disciplined. Uh, more recently, Simon Sinek wrote a book called Start With Why. So we asked the question, why are we going to do this before we begin to do that? And, and James really helps apply once we have our why. Uh, we, lear- we learned that uh, James is very practically covered ideas like doing what the Bible says, faith in action, responding to trials, controlling our tongues, not showing favoritism, peace over division, and managing our resources. The book of James shows us what it looks like when we follow Jesus, and so our why is Jesus. We want to look more like Jesus because we believe that he was the perfect example and because of his love for us and the grace shown on the cross. And so James helps us then when we answer why why we want to pursue this, Jesus, now what do we do? What's this look like? For James' audience, he, he wrote to Christians who were spread out all, all over, and it was a challenge for them. And I would say that they were not safe, they were not comfortable, and there's probably a lot more urgency in their lives to look more like Jesus. And so why do we need to do this then? What, why would this scripture and hopefully this sermon be beneficial to you today? Two things. Number one, we are not perfect. Not one of us is perfect. And number two, we all have questions. And James, this, in this book, I think there are maybe as many questions as answers uh, throughout this. We can see what, what it looks like to be a mature Christian, but then I would ask, you know, what does this mean to me? Or, or how do I apply this to my life? How will God change me through this? So if, if this is what a mature Christian looks like, how do we get there? You know, maybe what if my life is really bad and I can't even begin to think about a discipline or doing something else? Or, or what if my life is really good and, and I don't really need to change? Things are going just fine. And, and I think this is probably the biggest question. How can I be sure that God really cares about me? How can I be sure when I go to him that he really cares? James is closing his letter uh, to all these Christians and he's answering many questions and he emphasizes prayer going to God. And so that's what we're going to look at today. James chapter 5, 13 to 20. It begins, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed that the heavens gave rain, 
and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So James is saying to pray, but I don't think he's trying to make us feel guilty for not praying. I think he is assuming that, especially his, his audience, they want to pray. Uh, life was challenging, and they needed to know what does it look like to live like, to live like Jesus or to follow him. Um, and, and so I think what he's trying to do is help them to understand the timing and the importance of prayer and, and how to apply it. Um, and the truth is prayer is, is challenging. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's not for some people, but for me, I, I think it's hard to have a, a continue, uh, continuous prayer life without interruptions and, and always staying focused and, and staying connected to God. I, I pray a lot in public, uh, at family gatherings. Usually whenever there's a meal, it's either me or one of my two uncles who, who are ministers. One of us will pray for the meal. When I go to the hospital, it's expected that I would pray with, uh, with the sick there. I mean, it'd, it'd be weird if the minister came and didn't say a prayer. Uh, I pray while I'm in church. Uh, up here, you, you expect someone's going to pray at some point during the service. I always pray before and during my, my preparation uh, for preaching. And occasionally in life, I've had no other choice but to pray. There's been a few challenging times where I just felt like I had to pray. But then there's also been some really good times where I've been in awe. When, when I went to the Tennessee mountains and just the view and, and uh, uh, going to the ocean, the same thing. And sometimes even just seeing my daughters play, I, I'm in this awe of, I just have to thank God. I don't have a choice. And it's, those, are the, those are the fun times to pray because you really just, it's so pure and, and authentic it just happens, but, um, but, but sometimes, and I, and I hate to admit this, and I, I don't know if I'll get fired for it or not, but I've gone an entire day without praying. Um, there's been multiple days where I've, I've, in my life where I've have prayed, and, you know, I have a, a, and I mean private prayer, like, like just for example, I'll wake up early and get really busy quickly, get into the office early, not that early, Mark will tell you, I don't come in as early as him, I'm just, just don't work as hard. Uh, and, and then I'll have a lunch meeting, and maybe someone else will pray, but I didn't pray. Or, or maybe I'll go through McDonald's, and get, I'm getting fast food, and, and so I don't pray then. Uh, maybe I'll have a late meeting, and I'll get home, and I, and I won't have time to, to do anything. I'll just fall asleep. And so I'll, I'll really go the entire day, and I ha- haven't even connected with God personally one-on-one. And, and I think, that's, I think that's just bad. Uh, I don't mean it to, you know, that I should feel guilty, but, man, to not give thanks or to not ask God for direction, it's definitely not spiritually mature, but there's a bigger reason why, uh, why we should be doing this or, or why we probably want to be doing this, maybe not even say should be. Uh, I assume that I'm not the only person who's gone a day or, or days without praying. Um, it's, it's very easy to think about prayer. And it's very easy to talk about prayer. Jesus even warned the religious leaders when they were just talking about it and drawing attention to themselves. It's easy to set a certain time and say, every morning I'm going to pray at, at you know, 5 a.m. or, or uh, at, at, at noon. I mean, you can set your time. But if you have enough discipline and you stick with it and you, and you have this con- consistent prayer schedule, well, then I would say the next question that we're going to have to figure out or answer is, how do we pray? Are we supposed to be very formal and, and use, use words that maybe we never say to anyone else but out of reverence? Or, or should we pray informal like, like God is our best friend and we're having that conversation? And, and what do we talk about with someone who knows everything? 
Well, think about that. I'm, I'm going to say this. I know you already know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And so first, why pray? James answered this early on in our study. James 1.25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So we forget about being spiritually mature for a minute. You will be blessed. Now, what that looks like may be different than what we think of as blessings, but we're going to get into what this blessing means because I think it's really helpful and really amazing uh, what, what James is trying to tell us and uh, the audience. Um, a constant prayer life, it may be difficult to start. So you might think, well, I'd like to do this, but I don't know how. Just start praying. You know, maybe, maybe pray in the morning or pray at night or pray while you're driving. Keep your eyes open, please. Um, Maybe you just can't keep your attention as long, and so maybe it'd be better to write out your prayer or say it out loud. I mean, things like that. I can't tell you what to do. We're all different. We have different personalities. Um, but just start praying. And so then we look through this passage of Scripture again, and we see what James says about, being, uh, about prayer and being spiritual mature, and then these blessings. So uh, back to verse 13. He says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. First, we go to God in the bad. That's the first thing he tells us to do. And I, and I thought, you know what? That's the easiest time to go to God when, it's, when things are really bad, when I'm struggling with something and I can't break free from it, or when, when I'm going through a, a, a hardship, a relationship problem, a sickness, or, or I'm grieving. There's nowhere else to go, and I need God in this. So I turn to him. But I don't know if we really go to God in our, hardest, in our, in our hard times all the time. I mean, consistently, I think we go to two other places first. I think we go to others. You know, things are going bad, so I'm going to go and complain, or I'm going to vent, or I'm going to ask for advice. Uh, maybe someone I trust, and there is wisdom in asking for advice from another Christian who lives by this wisdom and maybe further ahead, uh, but I think that's first for most of us. And then the second thing is I go to myself. How am I going to fix this? Now, I may be the one that got myself into the problem, but now I'm going to try to uh, pull my bootstraps straps up. I don't, young people don't know what that means. I'm not sure what, I know what it means either, but I saw it on a movie once. But I think it means that you're supposed to try to get yourself out of the problem yourself. You got, you're into this mess. You got yourself into this mess. Now get yourself out of it, right? Um, so, and then we go to God last, as a, just as a last resort. Um, and then James continues, is, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So next we go to God in the good. Maybe, maybe you haven't been much into, into singing. I would just say try. Try singing the words. Uh, I've never been big on singing. I'm, I'm not very good. Uh, I, I may enjoy a few verses, and, and I'm really into it, and then, then I'm trying to think about, uh, well, I haven't seen those people for a couple weeks, and, and what's, what's for lunch today, and um, my, my legs are kind of hurting. Uh, you know, it just happens sometimes. Uh, but honestly, when, when we're worshiping and I don't sing, uh, I'm as good as not being here. And I'm not trying to pick on anyone else. I had someone after first service say, well, you were, you were talking to me, weren't you? No, I was, I'm referring to myself. When I'm standing here and just looking at the screen, I'm not really present. I might be for a minute, but odds are I'm thinking about something else. Uh, I've sung thousands of songs at, at church, at camp, at conferences, um, and honestly, most of those moments haven't really meant m that much to me. Usually I'm going through the motions when I'm singing. It's just not my, not my thing so much. But 
but uh, here, there's a reason why I still sing, and it's not just because I'm supposed to. But there have been a few moments in my life where singing brought me closer to God. In 2010, I was at a, at a conference in Georgia, and I felt like I worshiped for the first time in my life. This was just eight years ago. I, I really felt the, the word, I felt like, wow, we are actually lifting up praises, and God, God's hearing us. And I know we say that, but that was the first time I probably really believed it, that he actually cared to hear us and not just that we're doing it in hopes that he's kind of just faintly hearing it out of, you know, among other people. Like, we're actually lifting praises to God. And I've never wanted to live to please him more than, than that moment. Um, another time uh, at, at Lake Springfield, uh, I wasn't here yet, but Garrett and I did a retreat thing together, and he was leading worship. And, uh, and he impacted my life, and, and I'm, I'm not just saying that. I mean, who would have thought that Garrett would do that? But uh, I didn't know him at the time, so I think it was different. You know, I think it... <laughs> but it, it brought me to tears. And I'm not saying that I cried because I'm a guy, but, but it, did, it, it did bring me to tears. Uh, we sang this song. We sang, You give life, you are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. That was actually me singing. I don't know if you caught on. I wasn't reading. I was singing that. That's how good I am. <laughs> well, there was nothing going on in my life that I felt, you know, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a, an emotional time. I wasn't going through anything. But that was the first time that I had thought about, wow, it, it is God breathed in, into man, and every breath is a gift. And every time I take any breath, every, every single one, I, I need that. If I don't do that, I'm going to fall on the ground and die. We, we need to breathe, and God has sustain, sustain, I can't talk, sustained us, there we go, um, in, in our lives. He, he gave us what we needed to live in, and to think, well, I'm, I don't really like singing, but, but now I'm thinking, well, this breath that he's given me, this is my way to show appreciation and give it back to him. Um, and there's been other times in my life where I've, I've really just felt the sing, but singing thousands of songs just for a few moments. Uh, I have to tell you, I, sometimes I don't sing because I'm thinking about my sermon right before I come up, but for the most part, if I can sing, I will, if I, especially if I know the words, um, just in hopes that that connection will be there uh, with God yet again. Um, so likely we go to God in the, out of desperation. And my challenge now is to go to God with appreciation. Uh, this, that's the, 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 the things that he gives us, we, I think we just take for granted, even small things like breathing. So James goes on, he says in verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we go to, we go to one another in physical weakness. And this is a little bit different. The sermons go to God. We go to one another in physical weakness. I'll explain in a second. A, a young boy called the pastor of a local church to ask the pastor to come and pray uh, for his, his mom who was sick with the flu. The pastor knew the family was aware that he was going to a different church down the street, so he asked the young boy, 
why don't you just have a Re- Reverend John come and, and pray for your mom? The young boy replied, well, we thought about that, but, but we didn't want to take a chance that, that he might catch whatever she has. <laughs> yeah, see why I don't tell those jokes? <laughs> we'll get there someday. So the, this idea of, of anointing oil, uh, this has been a little bit tricky. Uh, this is one of those, those uh, passages in the Bible that churches have completely different beliefs or, or views, or their theology is different on what this means. And I want to share a couple, a couple things that I think that James is referring to. First, from verse 14, he talks about the oil. Well, oil was thought to have medicinal power. It was like medicine, medical treatment. We see that in the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, so this idea that James is saying, it's prayer and medicine, prayer and medical treatment. Now, there are some people who have faith they believe that no medicine, no, don't go to the doctors. We just, if we have enough faith, we'll be healed. Well, James says right here to put together this anointing oil that had medicinal power and prayer. I think it's an example or, or permission to, to go to the hospital, take the medicine that you need. It's a gift from God. We have a blessing uh, from him through this. Oil also represented something else, setting someone apart for God. Usually if a, someone was going to be anointed as, as a king or, or maybe a priest, they, w- they would have been anointed with oil. And so oil maybe represented the, the symbol that I'm putting oil on this person, setting them apart for the Lord's merciful consideration, to, to uh, uh, ask, basically asking God's blessing on this person specifically. All right, so just a couple things there with, you know, with that. Um, there's a lot more here, but the, the point of it is that we go to one another in physical weakness. Uh, we also, more importantly, I think, go to one another in spiritual weakness. Verse 15 says, if they have sinned. And this is another issue uh, that, that I'm going to have to deal with, but I'm not going to answer this one because Jesus answered this already. This needs some explanation. See, John chapter 9, verse 1 says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. So the assumption here is that this guy is blind, so it was because of either A, his sin, or B, his parents' sin. The only reason he is blind is because someone sinned. That was the belief. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so illness is not always a direct result of sin. And I say always for a reason, and I say direct because we can look around and see the, the, the consequences of sin, uh, death and, and pain and broken relationships because of sin, all right? But there's the other side, and I say always because 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight to 30 says this, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. And so God does sometimes use physical problems uh, to discipline his children. I, don't, I, I can't understand God's ways, but what I can tell from this text is that confession is very important. Even in this text that says uh, many among you are, falling, uh, are, are weak and sick because of sin, it says this, uh, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ. Who is the body of Christ? The church. We are not meant to live this life alone. 
we are meant to help each other, not only in our physical weaknesses, but in our spiritual weaknesses. Spiritual healing is important in, in all parts of our lives. When, even, even with the physical problems that we may have, if we are spiritually better, life is going to, to be so much more, uh, we'll be more blessed, it will be more full. Um, we may not get through some of our physical weaknesses. Paul, the guy uh, who, who wrote this, um, this passage that I just shared, he, he had some kind of weakness, which is explained in different ways, um, but basically he was told God's grace is sufficient. He could still be spiritually well without a physical healing there. And so it's very important that we help each other to be spiritually better or, or healed. We keep going then. Verse 17, James says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The story of, of Elijah uh, that James is referring to, it's, it's a really good story. Elijah prayed that, that there would be a drought, and so it didn't rain for three and a half years. Elijah, Elijah was righteous, and, and he, didn't, he couldn't stand that people were worshiping false gods. And so he prayed this for God's glory. I, I, I can't share all the story. I'd just rather not. It's pretty graphic. But there's a few verses here that I want to share of the story of Elijah. It's in 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 41. It says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed up to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising up from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it's not raining yet. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his, his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. So what is James doing here? Why is he referencing this story that seems to have little to nothing to do with, with what he was talking about? Um, he's talking about prayer. And it leads to this story of God's power. Prayer and power. We, if, we, if we don't believe in God's power, then there's really probably no point to pray. Uh, we have to believe that. So God's power in this story that he's reminding them of this happened is revealed in the rain. God's power is revealed in, in what came out of just a, a small cloud the size of a man's hand. And look again in verse 46. I missed this the first time I read it. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. What was Ahab in? We just read. He hitched, his, hitched up to his chariot. He was in a chariot, and Elijah ran, it, it, you have to see, 17 miles and passed a chariot. All this happened to reveal God's power. And that's why we can have this reminder to go to God with confidence. Even if, even if you haven't seen it, even if you haven't experienced it, it's happened and we can believe it. We can pray with boldness. I don't mean that, that we pray with boldness for a, for a miracle to happen just for our own personal needs. See, I've done that before. There's there's a, a couple times where I've been to the hospitals, multiple occasions. One was a, a young guy, just about my age, who had, he had colon cancer, and, uh, and he was really bad. And, I, and I'll tell his story at the same time. Uh, a, a young girl, 19, had a blood disorder, 
and she uh, lost brain activity and was in a coma for four days. And I went every day to the hospital to pray for both of them. And, and what I prayed was, was this, God, I, I, I pray that I pray for a miracle. You know, the doctors had already said neither of them were going to make it. And I said, I, I, I pray that, that you are glorified through a miracle here today. And I don't think that was wrong. And I'm going to share examples of, of why we should do that. But I really didn't, honestly, I didn't care that much if God was given glory, if they were healed. I've never, I've never saw an, an article on, you know, on Yahoo News or wherever you read your news and you see a, 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 an explosion in a different country or a terrorist attack or a school shooting. I mean, I've prayed for those people, but not in the same way because sometimes we want to manipulate God, I think. And maybe it's just me. Manipulate God to, I know you're going to be glorified if this person's healed, so for your glory, I pray that this person's healed. Really, what I wanted was that person to be healed and kind of add on there, I know God will be glorified. Um, but the key in this is not to just do it for our own, for our own, our own goodness, for our own relationships, or, or what matters to us, but to go to God in prayer in all situations, all the time. That's where the blessings will happen. That's where we'll see God work. Maybe he doesn't work in the situation uh, with, with my friend, but it, if he's working through other situations, I get to be a part of that and see it as I pray for them. That's the life of fulfillment that Jesus offers. And going a little bit more into this, I'm going to get to the last verses here because James finishes up uh, with, with these two verses that are probably the most important verses of the entire book of James, at least what I'm sharing today. He says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is not about physical weakness. This is more than spiritual weakness. This is, this is being lost, being, being apart from God. And we have an opportunity to bring, to bring people back. That's the blessing that we see when we see someone who's not walking with God and all of a sudden they are. Like That is a huge blessing. And so we go to God on behalf of others. We pray for others. We don't live this life alone. James saves this for the very end because I think it's the most important. The last thing he said, it's like when you're, when you're writing a long email or a text message or, or some kind of message and, and you, you're just sharing your information and all of a sudden you say something very, very important. What do you do? I don't, wanna, I don't want that to get lost in there, so I, I stop and I hit send because that's what I want them to remember. I don't know if James had this all planned out before he wrote it, or maybe he was writing this letter, and then all of a sudden he, he said this, and you know what? That's, I'm done. That's the most important thing. You know, and, and so all of this about going to God, he, that's what he's really saying all up to this point. Go to God. Go to God. Now he says, go to God, but also lead others to go to God. Make sure you also help others in this. You're not living this life alone. It's not you go to God or I go to God, but we go to God together. Uh, and another writer in the New Testament, Paul, was a, a missionary or a church planter, and, and he lived in very hard times, uh, for, especially for Christians. And Paul wrote you know, most of the New Testament, and, and many of his prayers are recorded, just like James' prayer is recorded here. Uh, Paul's, Paul's prayers are recorded all throughout, and we see just like what Jesus prays for, just like what James prays for, Paul also prays for those he loved. But it's different than how I think I pray and many people pray. Even in the hard times, 
when things aren't going well, his prayers almost always look like this one I'm going to share in Ephesians 1.17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. His prayer is this, I keep asking that you may know him better. I keep asking that you may know God better. better. Not, I pray that your, your sickness goes away or I pray that your pain goes away. All that's temporary. Instead, he knows what's most important and that's what he prays. I keep asking that you may know him better. That's the important thing. Maybe you've gone most or much of your life and without praying. You haven't been connected to God. It's not too late to start. It, it, something brought you here today. You are not here uh, just, just by chance. And if you are, I think that God will work in this situation. God will work in you. And I know this, not because I have an opinion, but because Ephesians 3.20 and 21 tells me, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to, and here it is, his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I know not everyone loves this part, but I'm going to ask for a little participation. I want you to repeat, or just say with me. You don't have to repeat. Just say it with me when I say it. God is at work in me. Ready? God is at work in me. God is is at work in me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it a few times. God is at work in me. I'm not going to stop until I see everyone saying it. God is at work in me. If you say it enough, do you start to believe it? Really? Did you, did you, I didn't consider that before I came in today, that God is at work in me, that this, we're, we are told by this truth, this biblical truth, that God is at work in me. But it goes just a little bit further, because I didn't actually use the correct word on purpose, because now we're going to do it again, but we're going to say it the way that, that Paul says it here. God is at work in us. God is at work in us. God is at work in us. Thank you. We have to believe this. It, we don't have an option. This, this life is short. We will all be gone at some point. There is so much more. We have to believe what he tells us. We need to quit playing around and receive God's truths and decide if we believe it or not. We, we have a cho- Everyone has a choice. The truth is there. The power is there. The connection with him because of Jesus is there. And now we just have to decide, do I believe this or not? And if you do, you can be confident, not in who you are, but in who he is. Believe that he is at work in me. Believe that he is in work, at work in us. Jesus wasn't messing around when he died on the cross in our place. Without confidence in God, I don't know if he could have possibly chosen to die. See, Jesus knew he would be raised from the dead, but he, I mean, he predicted that, but he had to believe it. We can, we can learn something, we can know or have knowledge and still not believe it. That's, that's what we need to do as a church. Just like Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice uh, for us because he believed it. That's the example that we follow as a church. And that's the church that we need to be to those around us. And so to finish up my time this morning, I want to do something not different so much, but just out of order. 
Uh, every week after the service, we have prayer time with our prayer counselors. This morning, I want us to go to God together. And so, we, we, like we, uh, Mark had mentioned already, and we've been uh, focusing on prayer a little bit. A couple weeks ago, we had a, a prayer meeting. We had 17 people there. And, and it was great. We, we have needs, and these needs become opportunities to go before the Father. And today, we have a sign-up for a 12-hour prayer vigil in two weeks on Sunday, August 26th. And so what we're going to do now is move to prayer time that's usually after the service. So I'd like the musicians, uh, I don't know if they're going to come out there or where, where they are, but I'd like the musicians to come out on the stage. Yes, it worked. Um, <laughs> I'd also like to invite the, the ministers, the elders, any prayer counselors. Um, if you would like to pray with other people or be willing to, if you could come up to the front of the room and if we have a, a line, we'll just kind of spread out, going back a little bit more. Um, and so the invitation is this for everyone else. Uh, if you would like someone to pray with you, uh, when we start singing, I'd like you to come up and, and pray with someone. If, if you're not sure about this connection, you don't know why we can even go to God and who Jesus is, I'd like to explain it further. So if you would come to me, um, I'll, I'll try to share a little now and I'll follow up with you this week. Uh, if you have a request, a need, or just a, a, a praise... If, if you would come forward during this time um, and have someone pray for you. If you, if you don't want to, you can sit and pray alone. Uh, if, uh, if we're going to be singing, so if you want um, to stand up and sing, we'll invite you to stand up during this time as well. Um, so here's our opportunity to go to God together. Um, so if, if everyone's ready, um, go ahead and stand up, and we'll start singing, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. All right, let's pray.